come to tell somebody this morning that this same God is committed to sustaining the righteous. Can you just preach to somebody and tell them God's going to uphold you. God's going to sustain you. God's going to keep you. God's going to preserve you. God's going to support you. God is going to take care of you. He's the sustainer of my soul. He's the sustainer of my mind. The Bible says he upholds everything by the word of his power. He's not a passive participant. He's not a bystander. He doesn't practice bystander apathy, but he gets in it with you, and he sustains you, and he's committed to keeping and sustaining the righteous. Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise that the God that we serve is committed to sustaining us? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. As you take your seat, shout my title to your neighbor. Tell them God ain't like the government. I want to talk today from the subject, God ain't like the government. On yesterday, after more than 22 days of a political impasse, between the Chief Executive of the United States and Congress, more than a quarter of a federal government has been closed. Nine federal agencies, from the State Department to the Transportation Department, have been adversely affected by this Chief Executive's refusal to sign any appropriations bills that don't include more than five billion, somebody said five billion, for a wall along the country's southern border, the signature issue of his political campaign and administration, which people on both sides of the aisle have said has nothing to do with border security. And everything to do with his central message is that you should fear people who ain't white. In the words of Jim Wallace, the wall would be his 2,200-mile monument to white supremacy. Despite attempts at reaching a deal, even threats from the chief executive to declare a state of emergency and divert funds to the border, it's unclear how the shutdown may end or how much longer it will go on. What's even worse about this shutdown is that caught up in the crossfire, Hundreds of thousands of federal employees and countless others who are dealing with delays for everything from tax refunds to farm aid. Some 800,000, somebody shout 800,000. We, we need to let that sink in. 800, almost a million federal workers allegedly, it is reported, received an IOU in the mail on Friday instead of a paycheck. Both the House and the Senate have voted to offer back pay to all federal workers affected by the shutdown. If this bill is signed into law, it would allow payments once a funding deal is reached, even for employees that are on furlough since the shutdown began. Until then, somebody shout until then, federal workers are being to ask to wait it out. People that need to feed their families are being asked to wait it out. that need to pay their mortgages are being asked to wait it out. People that have children in daycare are being asked 
to wait it out. People that just need to have a decent standard of living and who entered into a contract with their job with a promise to pay when they gave them, when they work, are waiting to receive a paycheck. And the longer the shutdown stretches on, the more its negative effects are starting to sweep or creep into the lives of everyday Americans. Vacations are being ruined for some people with widespread national park closures and airlines shutting down terminals over TSA callouts. And in some cases, the damage from the shutdown may be lasting. There's a report that I read recently about the Joshua Tree National Park in Southern California where inadequate staffing and security levels have led to vandalism and the destruction of already endangered trees. Additionally, largely due to the government's shutdown, the Violence Against Women's Act has expired for the second time in 25 years. The Violence Against Women's Act is the single most important legislation for providing protection and funding for domestic violence relief and prevention. And if a shutdown continues, it will impact some of our most vulnerable population. It will leave large numbers of our population in the land where we have a statue that says, bring me your poor, your hurdle masses, huddle masses, yearning to breathe free. But if this shutdown continues, it will leave numbers, large numbers of the population homeless and hungry. The SNAP program, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, if it doesn't get funded further, 38 million Americans are likely to begin losing their monthly benefit that helps them keep food on the table. WIC, the Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children, which aids 7 million low-income Americans considered at nutritional risk, have already run out of funding which states attempting to bridge the gap. Affordable housing is at risk. More than 1,000 contracts between the federal government and building owners to provide Section 8 affordable housing are in limbo until the government reopens. Meanwhile, the government is relying on the goodwill of landlords to resist the temptation to start evicting folk. Immigrants seeking asylum are also suffering because of the shutdown. Court hearings for asylum seekers and other immigrants have to wait to be rescheduled. Because of the shutdown, some of the rescheduling may take or may not happen for a year. And then Senate Democrats, led by Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and Maryland Senators Chris Van Hollen and Ben Cardin, asked for a unanimous consent agreement from all 100 senators to vote on bills to reopen the government on Thursday, only to have the Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, strike it down. I stopped by to tell you there's something utterly grievous, utterly absurd, and disgraceful about using people with real lives who have bills to pay, and many who are already living from paycheck to paycheck to use them as a bargaining chip for political brinksmanship. There's something grievous and utterly distasteful about the fact that people are caught up in the crossfire, in a fight that does not even concern them, an ideological fight that is really the basis of a campaign promise. And I don't know about you, but the plight of innocent people 
affected by this shutdown has been on my mind. I've been thinking about it every morning when I get up. When I, I can't hardly look at television. I stopped looking at television almost a long time ago because I can't hardly stand the stuff I hear on the news. And I can't hardly watch it because every time I see it, I'm grieved at how we're dealing with such an unnecessary impasse. I've been thinking about the people that have been affected by this shutdown. I'm thinking about church members and family members and friends. I'm thinking about good folk. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Somebody shout good folk. Good people who try to do right, try to pay their bills, try to love God and their neighbor, who are suffering against the backdrop of this government shutdown. And that is why I believe that today's passage speaks so profoundly to us this morning. I believe that today's passage, this, this, this verse that we've lifted up out of this particular passage in Psalm 37 should speak so profoundly to us as we readjust our thinking and our focus in the midst of all the madness that we see from Sunday to Sunday. The good news of the text is that God ain't like this dysfunctional government. Can you touch your neighbor and say, God ain't like the government? God is not like the chief executive who claims to have biblical values but clearly demonstrates no commitment to the poor, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, or the least of these. God is not like extremist politicians who, in the words of Dr. William Barber, try to justify racism and demonization of the poor. Touch your neighbor and say, God is not like the government. It's in the text. The text says it real clearly. It says, I've been young, and now I'm old, but never... Have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? Somebody knows that's the truth. If don't nobody believe it, it's still the truth that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. In this passage, the psalmist is addressing a specific spiritual predicament. It is not a sequence of abstract generalizations or general statements, but it reaches out to offer comfort and nurture and perspective in a situation where keeping the faith is difficult. And I ought to have some witnesses in here this morning that know that there are circumstances that affect our life that make it difficult to keep the faith. You say, anybody can keep the faith when your life is going well, when your bills are paid, when your, your future is not uncertain. But when you're dealing with ambiguity, when you're dealing with not knowing how things are going to come out or how they're going to work out, and you can't see God's hand in the midst of it, it can become difficult to keep the faith. And so the psalmist is addressing people in this text who are in danger of falling into frustrated faith. They're in danger of falling into frustrated, envious conversation and destructive anger because they are bewildered by the incongruence between their faith and their experience. And we can go and tell the truth in here. Look at somebody saying, ain't nobody in here but us. We can go and tell the truth in here. There are times that we are bewildered by what we believe and what we see. There are times that we are bewildered by the incongruency of our faith and our experience. There are times that we sometimes ask ourselves, God, what is really going on? For the cussing saints, we say a little bit more than that. I ain't going to say it from the pulpit. But sometimes we want to know just what is going on. Why do the wicked prosper while the righteous suffer? Why does it seem like goodness is on hold and evil seems to be having its day? Their consciousness 
has been captured by the success of people who don't follow the way of the Lord. Because their problem is with the wicked who seem to live autonomously and independently of God and nothing happens to them. Can we go and tell the truth in here this morning and say that sometimes we wonder does it really pay to do right? Come on, y'all ain't going to tell the truth, but I can come say it for you. Sometimes when you look at how the wicked prosper and they don't serve God, they don't love God, they don't obey God, they don't acknowledge God, don't come to church, don't pay no tithe, come on here, don't give, don't support, don't try to do anything to help anybody and look like they wear garments. Evil is like a necklace around their neck. Can we go and tell the truth in here? And say that some of us have lived long enough and walked long enough with God to discover that sometimes what I profess ain't what I possess. I say that he's a healer and I'm still sick. I say that he'll supply my needs and I'm still broke. I say that he'll make a way out of no way. I can't get no help in here. And I can't see the way how it's going to be made. Can we tell the truth this morning that sometimes what we profess is not always what we possess? Consciousness has been captured by these folk and because their problem is with the wicked who in this particular psalm are described as those who live autonomously and independent of God. They're not wicked because they're wealthy. Let me be clear. Money answers all things. Touch a neighbor say you need money. You need money. You need money. You need money. It's not money that gets you in trouble. It's the love of money. The Bible said that is the root of all evil. They are not wicked because they're wealthy, but they're wealthy because they're wicked. Truth of the matter is wealth in and of itself doesn't make you wicked. Wealth wouldn't make me wicked. Wealth wouldn't make me wicked. I wish God would bless me. I wish God would, I don't hear nobody. I wish God would open up a financial door. Baby, your bills would be paid. I'd be paying tuition, I'd be canceling debt. Look at somebody say, wealth don't have to make you wicked. But you can't be wicked if you have wealth. You, you, they're not wicked because they're wealthy, but they're wealthy because they're wicked. It's the reason why the psalmist is having an issue with it and a scandal to the spirit of the faithful is that the wicked enjoy success because, and this sounds like present day experiences, they prospered at the expense of the poor. I wish I had time to really unpack that because we're always demonizing the poor and making the poor the root of the problem. But the truth of the matter is, if we would stop stealing from the poor, if we would stop balancing budgets on the backs of the poor, if we would stop ignoring the poor, if we would stop prospering at the expense of the poor, we would not have so many poor folk. People fuss about welfare and AFDC and aid to dependent children and WIC and SNAP. But the truth of the matter is there's some other folk getting welfare. They just don't call it that. They call it subsidy. And so the faithful are about to conclude that power and prosperity seem to be generated better by living autonomously than by discipleship. In other words, the faithful were in danger in this text of getting to a place that some of us get to where we say, well, shoot, I might as well live like I want to live. Might as well do what I want to do. I might as well act like I want to act because autonomy seems to sing. Somebody say sings. It seems to pay off better than discipleship. 
And if they dwell on this frustration and provocation, their whole mood of life will become bitter and uncertain. And the psalmist knows that this is a major risk. The psalmist is aware that this is a possibility for those that have faith. And so he takes the time in this psalm to exhort them and warn them to go about it another way. He tells them that in the midst of the fact, and I'm paraphrasing, and I'm interpreting and reinterpreting it back for you, that what he's suggesting is that I know things don't look right. And I know you see a lot of incongruency. And I know it looks like God is turning, turning God's head and lifting a blind eye to the way of the wicked. He spends time encouraging them, letting them know that it still pays to serve God. That it still pays to commit your way unto the Lord. That it still pays to delight yourself in the Lord. Because he will give you the desires of your heart. He tries to encourage them and let them know that they should not be agitated or anxious about the wicked. About the apparent inconsistency in letting evildoers triumph because their prosperity is going to be short-lived. Not only is their prosperity short-lived and fleeting, but he also counsels them to commit their way to the Lord and to avoid the trap of caving in to extreme anxiety when things are not going the way we want them to go. In other words, God is saying, don't backslide. Don't relapse. Don't go back to who you used to be. Touch your neighbor and say, don't go back to Egypt. God has invested too much in you. He, he, you you've seen too many victories to let defeat have the last word. Tell somebody, don't go back to the crack house. Don't go back. Go, don't go back to living promiscuously. Go, go, don't go back to living as if you don't know who God is, but to trust the Lord even when his ways are not traceable. And then he backs it up with the text because he shares out of the wisdom of somebody who has walked with God long enough to have a track record. Can I tell you, you walk with God long enough, you'll get a track record. You'll find out that there are some things that nobody could bring you out of but God. You'll find out that there were some ways that were made that nobody could make them happen but God. You'll find out that God will every now and then pull some strings. I wish I had somebody that can work some things out in your favor when your back was against the wall. Somebody shout, God's got a good track record. I'm so glad he's got a track record. I'm so glad some of us have walked him long enough to find out that he does have a track record and that he's a faithful God. And this writer is familiar with God's track record. He's battled evil men. He knows the frustration of seeing the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. But notice that as he reviews his past, he doesn't provide an explanation as much as he does reassurance. Can I help somebody right here? Scourge, can I back up just a little bit? Can I back this thing up a minute and tell you that sometimes we're looking for an explanation when what we really need is assurance. Tell somebody sometimes explanations won't help you. Oh, but every now and then you need some reassurance from God. You need to be reassured that God is going to do just what God says. The Bible said let every man be alive and let God be true every now and then when you can't get an explanation when you can't make sense of the madness when you can't get any kind of sense out of what's going on you need reassurance and as one writer has declared the writer knows the writer of the Psalter knows that the sovereignty of God is not contained or confined to a person's existential context or their contemporaneity 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 Amen. But instead, time is contained with divine sovereignty. In other words, what I'm suggesting to you is that there's a long arc 
toward justice. That the arc of the universe is long and it still bends toward justice. And the teacher is suggesting to us that the God that we serve will, here's your shout, sustain the destiny of the righteous. Look at somebody and say, can I shout now? Do I have to wait? I could go on and close and shut this thing down because somebody needs to get it this morning that no matter what you're going through, the God that we serve will sustain the destiny of the righteous. Can you preach to somebody and tell them, God's going to take care of me. Can you preach to somebody and say, God's going to see me through this. God's going to get me through. I can't figure it out. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when they're going to open the government up, but one thing I do know is that God is a keeper. That's a word for somebody. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word. That's a word for somebody. That's a word for somebody. Even if you're not directly affected by the government shutdown, even if you know you're going to get a paycheck, and I need to tell you, you need to clap your hands right now if you still get a check. You need to tell God thank you if you know you're going to get paid. You need to tell God thank you if you still got benefits, if you still got insurance, if you still got a way to pay your bills, if you still got food in the refrigerator and food in the freezer with frostbite you need to clap your black hands and give God some praise that you still being taken care of even if you're not waiting on government assistance that's a word for somebody that not only has God made a commitment somebody shout he's all in but God will honor his commitment watch the text it says he will sustain the destiny of the righteous David said I've been young and now I'm old but never have I seen, look at somebody say, I can shout right here. Have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? Somebody shout sustain. Sustain, that's a word worth remembering. Sustain, it means to keep on going. It means to keep up. It means to prolong. It means to allow to remain in place or position. It means to carry on. Somebody shout sustain. It means to continue. It means to preserve. It means to uphold. It means to support something. It means to keep it going. In other words, if you get hungry in the afternoon, you might try eating a snack to sustain your energy so that you can last through dinner. Beans and rafters sustain a roof. They hold it up. They keep it up. If you sustain a conversation over the course of hours, you keep it going during that time. If you sustain an interest in what you are studying, it means that you're just as excited about the subject after studying as you were when you began. The reason why I can stand up here and preach sometime for 45 minutes or an hour is because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and everything he's done for me, I'm sustained by the fact that I'm preaching about a God who has a mighty good track record and I've come to tell somebody this morning that this same God is committed to sustaining the righteous. Can you just preach to somebody and tell them God's going to uphold you. God's going to sustain you. God's going to keep you. God's going to preserve you. God's going to support you. God is going to take care of you. He's the sustainer of my soul. He's the sustainer of my mind. The Bible says he upholds everything by the word of his power. He's not a passive participant. He's not a bystander. He doesn't practice bystander apathy, but he gets in it with you, and he sustains you, and he's committed to keeping and sustaining the righteous. Can somebody give God a hand clap of praise that the God that we serve is committed to sustaining us? Can you look at your neighbor and tell him God's going to see you through this? 
Tell him, I don't know what you're going through. But the good news on this morning is that the God who was of the Bible, and that's a God of the Exodus, and the God that they talked about in the Psalter is the same God that's going to see you through, even in the midst of a shutdown, even in the midst of a breakdown. I've come to tell somebody that the God that we serve is a present help in the time of trouble. Can you grab somebody's hand and tell them God ain't gone AWOL. He cannot come up for re-election. He cannot be impeached. He does not become up for re-election. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. For his goodness and his mercy, they endure forever. Do I have anybody that can thank God that the God I serve Look at somebody say, he's a present help in the time of trouble. He's present and participating. He's active in my life. He's not a spectator, but God is a stakeholder. Can you preach to your neighbor and say, the reason why I haven't gone under is because I serve a God who is not just a spectator, but he's a stakeholder. He has a vested interest in my survival he's not marginally committed we don't live in a cause and effect world this god specializes in divine interference is there anybody here that can thank god that there'll be some time in your life that he ran divine interference can you grab that neighbor and shake that hand shake it and rock it like you're going to shake it off and tell him this here shout is not because I haven't had troubles. Grab that hand and tell your neighbor this shout is not because I haven't been unemployed. This shout is not because I haven't had to struggle. Shake that hand. Shake it like you're going to shake it off. Tell him this shout is not because I haven't been frustrated, but I'm shouting right now because I serve a God who is able to intervene in my life. He'll make a way out of no way. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he, won't he, won't he? Won't he do it? Pave a highway through the desert. Make my enemies my footstool. Prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. He will preserve my going and my coming. Somebody shout, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Grab that hand. Tell him God ain't like the government. He's a present help in time of trouble. He won't let your foot slip. He works the night shift. He's the preserver of my life. He's my keeper and my sustainer. He works everything out for the good of them that love God. If you love him, clap your hands. If you love him, give him glory. If you love him, open your mouth, throw your head back and shout that God ain't like Trump. He ain't like McConnell. He ain't like Mitch. He ain't like Nancy. He ain't like Chuck. 
He's not like Democrats, not like Republicans. This God is a sustainer. Yank that hand. Tell him, oh, to be kept. Oh, to be kept. I'm kept by the power of God. Shout yeah. 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 Let the redeemed of the Lord say something. He will supply all my needs. High five your neighbor. Say all my needs. Every one of them. All my needs. According to, I feel my help now. Can I preach it like I feel it? Grab that hand. Say we're going to be all right. God's going to take care of us. Be not dismayed, whatever be time. God will yeah, take care of you. Go find somebody. Tell him he's going to take care of us. In and out of season, through depression, through recession, through shutdown. God ain't like this government. The Bible says, let every man be alive. Let God be true. Shout yeah, 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 hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Sometimes I just have to holler, cause when I think of His goodness and everything He done for me, my soul cries out hallelujah come on praise him hallelujah come on thank him hallelujah give him glory hallelujah bless his name thank god for keeping me grab yourself hug yourself rock yourself say he kept me kept my mind kept my finances kept my children Held me together so I wouldn't go crazy. I should have been crazy. Should have been cuckoo. Should have lost it. But God keeps on keeping me. Shout yes. Yeah. 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 That's all you got? Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Tell them this shout. It's not because I haven't been through trials. Grab that hand and tell them this shout. Not because I haven't had to struggle, but this shout is because God is my keeper. He's my sustainer. So I'm not gonna wait till the government opens up. I'm gonna go ahead and give God glory. Because even if they wait another 10 years, even if they wait another 10 weeks, the God that I serve going to take care of me. Yank that hand and tell them, God. Look at somebody say, he ain't like the government. He ain't like the government. He is somebody.
Get this word in your spirit. Get it in your spirit. My sustainer. Somebody say he's my sustainer. You wondering why you still got your house and you ain't worked in six months? He's a sustainer. You wonder why they ain't repossess your car? He's a sustainer. You wonder why when you go to lunch and you don't even have money, you sitting there trying to figure out which card you're going to use because all of them overdrawn. And before you can pull out the card that's over the limit, the waitress walks up to the table with the receipt and says, your dinner been paid for. Come on, somebody blessing the shout. He's a sustainer. Come to tell you, he'll keep you. Somebody needs to know that this morning. I don't know who I'm talking to. This is not just a word if you work for the government. This is a word for anybody that has to navigate these terrestrial waters which we find ourselves in. No matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it gets. David said it this way. He said, I've been young. And now I'm old. Come on. But never. Somebody shall never. Have I seen the righteous forsaken? Who are the righteous? The righteous are those that live in covenant with God. Who are the righteous? The righteous are those who have made a decision. Look at somebody saying at some point you got to make a decision. Not only do you need to make a decision, you got to make a commitment. Somebody shout a commitment. See, what we want is a friend with benefits. We want God to be a friend with benefits. We want to come and go as we please. We want to, you know, break a piece off for God right here and break a piece off right there. And the amazing thing is that God's mercy has still kept us. I don't hear nobody saying nothing. But I need to tell you that when you're in a covenant with God, when you're in covenant with a covenant-keeping God, when you made a commitment to this God to say, for God I live and for God I die, to say, for God, I'm in it for the long haul. Somebody shout, for the long haul. You make a decision to say, I'm all in. Somebody shout, all in. When I make a decision and I make that commitment, God has already made the commitment to me. The Bible says to the faithful, he's faithful. I got some witnesses that know that God is faithful to you. Come on, why don't you just bless him in here? If you know he's faithful, come on, open your mouth and, and begin to give him praise. If you know he's faithful, take a minute and just lift your worship in this place. Come on. Shift the atmosphere with the aroma of your worship. Take a minute and just open your mouth and thank him for his faithfulness toward you. That the bills somehow still get paid. That the lights don't get turned off. Come on. That somehow the truck doesn't come up to your house and repossess your stuff. That you ain't had to look at nothing out on the street. Come on. Lift a shout in this place of worship. Come on. Open your mouth. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. 